is a place where they'll pay you a thousand dollars for a kiss and fifty cents for your soul. Welcome to Holly Weird, a podcast about celebrity deaths and the strange events in Tinseltown and beyond. We are your hosts, Megan Carpenter and Liz Shire. This episode is a collection of the macabre, celebrity stories united by a single thread. Linked in their deaths, years, even decades apart, these names will be spoken together in the same conversation for years to come. Ask and you shall receive. This is the 27 Club. All right. Um, so next up, moving on, jumping through time and space. We are arriving in the 90s, Liz. So for everyone who's mad at us that we're not doing Kurt Cobain in this episode, <laughs> um, I tried to fulfill your grunge fantasies Um because there is another grunge member of the 27 Club, Liz. This next person we are talking about is Kristen Pfaff. Kristen Pfaff was an American musician best known as the bassist for the alt-rock band Hole, fronted by Courtney Love. She was also the bassist and backing vocalist for the band Janitor Joe. She was part of that Seattle grunge scene that made the early 90s what it was. All the stars are just like little fish You should learn when to go You should learn how to say no On June 16th, 1994, she was found dead in her Seattle apartment in the bathtub by a friend with whom she was planning to travel with that day. Mm. Her, cause, her cause of death was an obvious opioid overdose as syringes and other paraphernalia were found on the floor near her body. Liz, I'm very excited to talk to you about Kristen Pfaff because you are a big whole fan yes, and a big Courtney Love stan. So um, had you heard of... Kristen Pfaff and and like what did you know about her coming into this episode not too much I do remember distinctly from that um Courtney Love behind the music that we shouted out in the Kurt episode which is wild like if you guys have time you gotta watch it because it's cool it's Pete Courtney Pete Courtney uh but she was talking like of course she tells this like dramatic story about how she was like doing something and someone gave her a call and she was like so and so i have to go my fucking bassist just overdosed and died hangs up the phone I'm like oh, all right <laughs> like typical that's one, to, that's one way to put it but i mean like you said there really isn't that much known about her she like didn't necessarily do any on-camera interviews kind of the same way from a whole perspective um you know courtney talks a lot about eric erlinson um and how he paid for her nose job in the beginning of Hole. But besides that, there really isn't all that much about Kristen, just that she was in Hole. Yeah, so just to, like, put this to timeline, June 1994 is when she passed. So 
This was right around when Hole's second album, Live Through This, came out. Masterpiece. But um, so she was only with them for their first uh, album release. Um, and, and the band has since changed lineup you know, in the years following. So, um, I guess, I guess like her stint with them was relatively brief. Uh, but also her death came only two months after the suicide of Kurt Cobain. So I feel like she may have gotten overshadowed because her death was so close, um, in time to Kurt's, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, so, Kristen, though, uh, was a very talented musician. She was classically trained in piano and cello as a child, and she actually only learned to play bass at age 21, um, so she hadn't been playing it for too long before joining Hole. She she was part of a band called Janitor Joe uh, in the early 90s, and it was during a Janitor Joe show in California that Courtney Love and Eric Erlinson found her. They were actually scouting for female bassists, and she initially declined their offer, but after much persistence, uh, Faf moved from Minnesota, where she was living and where Janitor Joe is based, to Seattle to work on the Live Live Through This album. Hmm. So they poached her. Interesting that um, they were specifically looking for a female bassist. I feel like Courtney Love had a statement to make. Mm. Uh, you know, in her feminist um, kinder whore, <laughs> as you <laughs> as you put it, like it. There, uh, it was it was an aesthetic, and I think she had a very clear vision of what that aesthetic was. And Kristen probably was a very nice puzzle piece into that. Is how I look at it. Mm, Great analogy. Kristen began to more than dabble in drug use while she was in Seattle. She was part of the inner circle. Um, Can I pause you? Who's part of the inner circle? um, So I would say Nirvana, Hole, Nirvana and (laughs) Hole. I don't know. Like (laughs) Courtney and Kurt and their entourage whomever that was made of. I I feel like when I think Seattle in the 90s, that's who I think of. Yeah, and, like, they're dealers. Correct. Um, And honestly, like, I feel like, I mean, and we'll talk about this a little bit, but just jumping ahead, like, I feel like Kristen could be, like, a real case study in anatomy of a user. Like, would did she become a user because she was in a, a city that was foreign to her with people with only a select group of people whom she kind of was close to like was she lonely and did that contribute to her habit mm-hmm. um i mean definitely a possibility yeah and i feel like not like not quite enough was known about what she was like back in minnesota to say did she bring a habit with her or did a habit form in seattle uh, but I think it's really interesting to ponder. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so she's been in Seattle for a year, living that lifestyle. And she's like, I got to go back to Minnesota. So she just left. Um, and she actually did rehab, but but she left and went back to Minnesota. And she only returned to Saddle. <laughs> Saddle. <laughs> she only returned to Seattle twice thereafter, once for Kurt's funeral and the second time to get the rest of her stuff. 
And it was during that second trip that she OD'd and died in Seattle. Wow. Oh, my gosh. I know. So I feel like that city um, doesn't do her any favors. Uh, But also, like, if she had just done rehab, like, in Minnesota, I don't know if it was in Minnesota, but, like, around the time that she moved to Minnesota, like, what is it about Seattle that made her prone to relapse? Uh Just... Well, or as we know, like from the Corey episode, when somebody has been using drugs, they are clean, go to rehab, or have significant clean time. And if they relapse and go back to the amount they were using before, when their tolerance is so much lower, I mean, you definitely see overdoses happen then. That's a really good point, yeah. So uh, a little bit about her personal life. So Kristen Pfaff and Eric Erlinson also of whole, uh, were in a relationship of about a year at the time of her death. Oh. He commented, and, and this is a quote, I admit I made some stupid mistakes with some people, and people are dead because of my stupid mistakes. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to say, and I want to use that so... <laughs> I know how to read. That's what I want to say, and I want to use that so that other people don't make the same mistakes that I made, and other people start understanding. I get emotional about this. We've all lost people, end quote. So before I drop a little bit of knowledge further down the line, just um, taking that quote at face value, knowing that he was her boyfriend of about a year, I would say that he feels some sort of guilt in association with her death. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, this is all speculation, but, like, I feel like just connecting the dotted lines would be he may have been a part of introducing her to the lifestyle that ended up taking her life. Mm. Um, He, this is the knowledge that I'm dropping, (laughs) he was the last person to see her alive. Oh. So, um, at, I mean, at her apartment, assumably the night before her death. Hmm. Um, but kind of makes you like, damn, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall <laughs> during that conversation of, you know, what all went down in her apartment the night before she died. So. Was he a user too? Yeah. So, I mean, he. In an interview with Rolling Stone, which is where he gave that quote, he um, he also added, when you're playing around with drugs, it's a pretty clear suicide death wish. Hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, he was a part of the drug use as well. Hmm. I mean, maybe, not to speculate too much, but maybe they were using together that night, and then he left, and then she used more, or, I mean, even that in an, uh, him saying... You know, he was the last person to see her alive that in and of itself, you know, can create guilt anyway. Like, was there something I could have done? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, totally. Totally. What did Christine say? And I mean, as we... Go ahead. What did Christine say on Selling Sunset? She tried to say in and of itself, but instead she said, like, in and out of itself. (laughs) (laughs) In and out burger of itself. (laughs) Uh. <laughs> Berries and Botox. I'm so sorry. ADHD brain. Continue. <laughs> oh, man. So, 
also to suggest that there was some bad blood then um, with the influence that the band had on Kristen. The band was not allowed to attend her funeral. Um, Faf's father claimed it was nothing personal. They just didn't want any publicity around her funeral. But, uh, sure. (laughs) Right. And, like, if... So if everyone was using in some capacity and her parents knew that, it might also be like, yeah, we don't want publicity and also, like, all you drug addicts don't come this way, you know, and right. be around my family and my daughter's funeral. Exactly. Yeah, They if they were her bad influences, why would you want them at her funeral? Exactly. Yeah. I actually had a friend. She has a lot of clean time. Um she said that, like, her ex's funeral people who knew him, because he died of a drug overdose, and people who knew him were, like, trying to ask her if she was holding or trying to, like, see if she, if she wanted to go use, and they were, like, using at the funeral. It was, like, crazy. Wow. Yeah. And That's she was crazy. obviously horrified, and so was his family, but, like, I can definitely see why the family made that, made that decision. Yeah. So, like any good 27 Club death, there are conspiracies. Dun-dun-dun. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, as we mentioned, she had recently completed rehab, so indications that she returned to drugs just don't add up for some people, and that's the origin of a lot of the conspiracy theories. But as you mentioned prior, um, a death like Corey Monteith's that we spoke about recently um, – could have like the same circumstances could have been the case for Kristen uh, using at levels that are no longer tolerable by your body end up being fatal. Yep. So, I mean, that could be an easy explanation away, but to indulge the conspiracy theories, um, one of which was that she too was killed by Courtney Love. <laughs> just kidding. Just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, so Reddit and other sources, um, you know, not suggesting that she was killed by Courtney, but just that there was bad blood. Um, so Reddit and other sources suggested that Kristen wasn't particularly fond of Courtney and her antics. Uh, Courtney continually accused Kristen of having an affair with Kurt, hmm. uh, which uh, I would believe would be uncomfortable working environment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is a toxic um, work environment. <laughs> Kristen uh, was known to keep a daily journal, and people are very interested in the contents of that journal. And while we don't know what the contents of that journal are for the most part, it was reported that when Kristen's family received her belongings back after her death, including her journals, the journal entries around Cobain's passing in that time frame in April were torn out of the journal. Hmm. So while she very well could have done that herself, it certainly adds to the mystique of why the pages were missing and the accusations of an affair, whatever. Um, You know, it's not proof, but there's certainly room for speculation. Yeah. Additionally, the medical examiner who performed Kristen's autopsy was the same one who did Kurt's, and this guy is a friend of Courtney Love's. So, (laughs) yes. So if anyone were to want (laughs) to... Um, attribute bad intentions to Courtney, the fact that she had an in with the medical examiner. I mean, a come on now. Does Courtney Love really know that many doctors to be friends with a medical examiner? Why? Did you do a Courtney Love impression of her, like, calling up the medical examiner to get the autopsy result? 
hey, Tom, hey, it's me. Listen, I really need, I really need you to tell me. You guys do it? Okay. Great. Yeah. Send it over to me. I'll pick it up. Okay. All right, bye. <laughs> the, the sucking sound is me smoking. <laughs> Pretending to smoke. I still love her so much, though. I mean, she is. It's pure entertainment. You know, more stuff has happened since the Kurt, I mean, the Kurt episode was 2018, right? Yeah. Okay, so, like, way more stuff has happened with Courtney Love. I think she went back to rehab another time, which that's a countless trip to rehab at this point. No judgment, by the way. Recovery is a process. Um, but there was this whole thing with her going after essentially the family that was behind the pharmaceutical company that allowed the opioid crisis to exist, like the ones that created Oxycontin and, like, other opioids that were used for medication. And they were like, the daughter runs some kind of something in the fashion industry, was trying to get Courtney Love to come. And she's, like, posting these conversations in the back and forth with, like, her team and this famous person's team and she's like, it's never going to be enough money. Like, I'll never do it. I'll never support someone who supports opioid usage, blah, 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 blah. Like, all this. I mean, which, from a, a moral standpoint, I actually support Courtney's move. But she's, like, virtue signaling to, like, all of the world that, like, look what I'm doing. I'm, like, fighting against big pharma in this weird way by saying I'm not going to go to some kind of fashion event. Okay. Um, so I have an article pulled up um, from a website website called rock nyc and there's an article written by allison camis called what did exactly happen to whole spaces chris and faff who died 19 years ago this month um obviously it's from 2013 why 19 years ago makes sense um (laughs) but there's a quote in here that i just if it's true like it is fucking nuts so um quotes to love quotes from love to faff such as you fuck my guitar player, constantly make eyes at my husband, and now you're telling me how to sing? Just don't fuck with me because you'll regret it forever. Like, if Courtney Love said that to this woman, oh my gosh. You fuck my guitar player and constantly make eyes at my husband. <laughs> yeah. I, and, like, you can hear it. That's the worst part. You can hear it. Yes. Um. Well, she can't self-edit. Yeah. Courtney's scary. If I take a hike, she'll make me look bad. Or do something to make my life miserable. Yeah. So, I mean, if if it's true in any capacity that these women had a toxic relationship with each other. So, the only friend she has, she doesn't fucking like. And then she's in a city that is not her home. Like, I just feel like the circumstances are, um, you know, not great for someone who might have a little bit, a little bit of a problem with drugs. That turns into a lot of it of a problem. Yeah. You know? Yeah, super vulnerable uh, place to be in. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good adjective just to describe her whole situation, vulnerable. Ever something who's like a fucking rock and roll star. Like. Yeah. You know, she's vulnerable. And that's it's an interesting kind of way to like flip it and look at it. So um, this is a Kristen Pfaff quote that I kind of wanted to end with because it shook me when I read it. Um, And it's, quote, all of my life I wanted to be something. I guess now that I am, I don't want to be. Kind of sad and kind of dark when you realize that once she hit it big, uh, she died. Hmm. 
Um, and then just like my own personal anecdote, she's got to be one of Courtney Love's five people you meet in heaven, right? <laughs> um, can, can you first explain the concept of five people you meet in heaven? To me? Yeah. Did you, so did you ever read the book, The Five People You Meet in Heaven by Mitch Album? Oh, okay. No, I didn't. But like lots of people talked about it when it came out. But yeah. You... So basically, like when you die, um, as you're traveling to heaven, you encounter five people who, whether you know it or not, um, like had a huge impact on your life or you had a huge impact on their life. And, um, you know, you, you learn why. So like each person like comes with a lesson. Hmm. So, uh, <laughs> I can just picture like her like tapping her fingers like on a desk <laughs> when Courtney like trails up through she's like yo bitch let's talk <laughs> and I'd like to be a fly on the wall for that conversation also oh my god yeah <laughs> wait so, so I it... feel like I'm so sorry just just more clarification on the five people you meet in heaven is it fictional <laughs> Yes, it's fictional. What do you mean? Just wondering. <laughs> no, like someone died and then resurrected. <laughs> and then they were like, shit. I know what happened. <laughs> Let me write this book and send it to Simon and Schuster. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fictional. It's actually like really sweet and um, tender and heartwarming. In case anyone needs a break from like the freaking misery that we talk about on this podcast. This one, um interests me because she was a part of the the Seattle grunge scene a member of the 27 club but um you know absolutely overshadowed by the death of Kirk Cobain and also just the uh brightness that is Courtney Love so um I didn't want her story to uh, go unacknowledged which is why I added her to this group today amazing choice Insert whole song here. <laughs> Slide kiss girls, won't you promise her? Smack, is she pretty? On the inside, is she pretty? From the back! Moving on through time. Arriving at 27 Club of the Present. Up next is Anton Yelchin. This story makes me so sad. <laughs> I know it makes me very sad also. Uh, but what else is new? Just yeah. sad core girls over here. Um, <laughs> like freaking Black Parade. <laughs> All day, every day. Uh, all right. Anton Yelchin was a Russian-American actor best known for his role as Pavel Chekhov in the 2009, 2013, and 2016 Star Trek films. He was born in Leningrad, and his family moved to the U.S. when he was a baby. They were refugees who fled the Soviet Union for a better future for their son, their only child. Mm-hmm. Also, his parents were ice skaters, like very famous ice skaters, which I thought was kind of a cool anecdote. Oh, wow. Um, Anton uh, began acting as a child in the late 90s. So already, like, this is breaking my heart. <laughs> I know. Because, you know, an only child for 
two parents who fled their home country for a better life. And this is how it ended. Um, on June 19th, 2016, when Yelchin failed to show for a rehearsal the day before, friends stopped by his house to check on him. And he was discovered crushed between his Jeep Grand Cherokee and uh, like a driveway gate uh, post outside of his home. <sighs> and what was described as a freak accident, Yelchin exited his car to go check on the locked gate. And the vehicle then rolled down the steep inclined driveway and he was pinned against uh, the pillar and the, where the security fence met the pillar. Um, he was pronounced dead at the scene. Uh, he was already dead when his friends found him. And the cause of death was blunt traumatic asphyxia. You know, of all, th- his death sticks out in my mind so much because... There's some kind of percentage about, like, the amount of deaths that occur accidentally happen at at home. And it really is, it's something so ordinary that, like, now, are you going to, I don't want to step on your toes if you're going to get to this. Did he forget to put the car in park? We'll get, yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. So, so, (laughs) regardless of whatever that answer is going to be, it seems like something so simple to happen and the fact that that's how it ended for this person who was like he made those star trek movies he was like so cute like such a nice like bright energy really good actor like his death always sticks out in my mind and it really really like upsets me yes this one this one was the first one that i researched of the five that we're covering today um just because it was so unusual and its unusualness uh, heightened its tragic factor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just, it's one that, um, like, I have not and will not forget. I just, I feel like it's really important to try and um, paint the imagery of, like, what his driveway setup looks like. Because it was really hard for me to envision before I looked at the pictures. So, <clears throat> Where his driveway meets the road is, like, the uh, tallest elevation part of his property. And then the driveway, as you're driving towards his house, is on an incline. So his, like, house and his property is, like, sunken in from the street. And then the gate is at the bottom of that incline, so, like, closer to his house, did I accurately describe that? Yes, Does you did. that, like, paint a clear picture? Okay, so, like, a lot of times when you see, like, gates on driveways, it's, like, towards the street. But this was not the case. Um, it was, the gate was closer to his house and the driveway um, rose up to meet the street. Mm-hmm. So, what, what happened was mm, he was leaving the house and pulled through to the gate and, and parked his car like towards the top of the driveway towards the street and then had to get out and walk back down the driveway towards his house to check the gate. And that's when um, the car rolled back. So let me actually skip ahead a little bit to answer the question that you brought up. So the Jeep. Fiat Chrysler is responsible for the manufacturing of the Jeep Grand Cherokee. Um, and they were a role, they were aware they were aware of the high roll weight on the 2014 and 2015 models, which his was a 2015 model. 
and it was the gear shift design. It made it difficult for the driver to determine if the car was still in park or in gear. Hmm. So I, I think the way I interpret that is just like the design of the display. It, it wasn't very clear. His car was in neutral. Um, so he probably thought it was in park, but just hadn't shot it that far. It was oh, in neutral. Oh, my God. Oh. So that, like, his stresses me out even more. <laughs> tell me about it. So his car was recalled prior to his death, and the manufacturer issued a fix via software patch that was delivered to dealerships. Um, and the patch was issued the week that he died. So just let that sink in. His car was newly recalled, and the fix was issued and available the very week that he died. Awful. Oh, my God. Any type of silver lining to come from this, though, his death kicked Fiat Chrysler into high gear, and they made moves to accelerate a recall campaign. Um, so some tragedy like this would not happen again. Well, because uh, that's but, lawsuit territory. Well... Yelchin's parents filed a wrongful death lawsuit against Fiat Chrysler, Good. who rebuted, but they ultimately settled out of court. Hmm. So, like, just honestly fucking awful. And, like, I wonder, though, I was trying to, like, have you ever, like, put your car, like, you thought your car was parked, but but it was either still in drive or in neutral, and, like, yes. you open the door and it, like, starts to, it starts to go immediate, immediately, and you're like, well, fucking shit, like... Yeah. <laughs> Like, I just kind of wonder, like, why, like, it must have been stable for a little bit of time for him to, like, get out and, like, walk to at least behind the car. So. Yeah. I mean, if you imagine, like, it takes a little momentum to get it moving. Honestly, this, like, sends chills in my spine just, like, thinking about the scenario. But if you were, like, especially if you're hopping out to go do something, you're, like, doing things really fast. You, like, hop out, close the door, and then start yeah. you like run down there and then all of a sudden you turn around and the car is like coming towards you yes yeah and honestly like he probably never even saw it coming was he do you know if he was facing i'm not positive i'm not positive but i think yes and the reason why i think well, i think he was facing away like it hit him in his back and that's just my speculation from what i've read i don't have confirmation on that but the re- reason why i think so is because the <clears throat> let me find this oh i don't have it it's in my brain um the medical examiner said that he was dead within 30 seconds so like like it was gru- like gruesome Traumatic. It was traumatic. It was traumatic. And he didn't have time to react or do anything. Yeah. Right. Oh, my God. This is horrifying. (laughs) This really stresses me out. I know. Thank God I don't have a driveway. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have a driveway either. Okay, okay. I certainly don't have a a gate on my non-existent driveway either. So, okay. But we all know those drive... And I don't know why houses are built like that because also, like... (laughs) freaks me out when houses are built at the bottom of a hill or like in a depression and i'm like do you want flooding in your basement because that's like what you're asking for but whatever i, I do know. not own a home um but yeah that just like when it freaks me out when i see or that's uh doesn't that happen on selling sunset where they have like that crazy hill driveway and it's like why would anybody want this at their house anyway. or like larsa pippen has 12 cars and won't fit oh my don't even get me fucking started <laughs> 
Also, listeners, Liz and I just, like, we're very into selling Sunset, so... Uh, yeah, like, about that. Yeah, Davis, <laughs> let us know if you um, love Davina or hate Davina, or, like, if you think Christine's a sociopath, like, just let us know. <laughs> okay, so this happened in June 2016. In October 2017, so a little bit um, more than a year after his death, a bronze statue was erected at his grave in the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. And celebrities attended the unveiling, including Jennifer Lawrence, Zoe Saldana, Demi Moore, John Voight, Emile Hirsch, and J.J. Abrams. So I'm thinking he must have been a pretty nice guy. If he, <laughs> like if he had those people as his friends. Yeah. Um, or at least was like well-respected. Yeah. Star-studded. You know, which is also just sad when you hear that like, oh, this happened to a really nice guy. A couple years later, um, in an odd turn of events, uh, in 2019, Yelchin's parents, Victor and Irina, premiered a documentary about their son at the Sundance Film Festival. It was titled Love and Tosha, uh, which I, was his nickname. Um, sidebar, narrated by Nicolas Cage, clutch. <laughs> uh, but the film revealed that Anton Yelchin struggled with cystic fibrosis, a diagnosis that was totally hidden from friends, colleagues, and the public. So just let that sink in. Which is crazy because that's a pretty, I mean, it, it, first of all, not like any illness is sadder than another illness, but you're usually diagnosed in childhood. Um, lots of breathing problems. It's like an overproduction of mucus in your lungs. So like kids usually have like significant health challenges. Like, I mean, it's, either must not have been that severe or I guess his treatments were like well under control because he, you, I, you never would have known. Yeah. And I like, well, I've seen five feet apart. So like I'm very fluent in cystic fibrosis. Thank you. Excuse Uh. me. I'm so Uh. sorry. (laughs) Thank God you corrected me. No, um, but, like, in interviews I watched with, like, co-stars and such, and I forget who said this, but a co-star of his was like, yeah, he had a nagging cough and would just say, eh, my lungs are shit, but, like, that was the extent of it. Like, oh, oh Anton has a cough. Like, hmm. you know, it wasn't like, oh, something seems a little severe here. But the point that I want to make is, like, the irony of this, the current average cystic fibrosis life expectancy is 37 years. Mm-hmm. Like, this disease kills people at a very young age. And, I mean, he was 27, so he could have had 10, 20. I mean, honestly, he could have had 30 years. Who the hell knows? But, like, the fact that um, Probably his expectancy was not too much more than he had already lived and no one knew. Mm-hmm. Like, just that concept kind of blows my mind a little bit. Totally. I remember finding that and being like, what does it all mean? Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and especially, I mean, obviously it's hard in anybody's family, but for his parents to know that about him and know that, you know, he might not outlive them. But then for him to die in this accident is like, what a... I So unfair. Yeah. So unfair. 
Do you remember Frankie Abernathy from The Real World? She is, who I, she is who I think of when I think of Sister Fibrosis. Yeah, That's why I put her in the Google Doc. So Frankie Abernathy, and I don't even remember which season of Real World it was. But it was, like, good Real World. Like Yeah, it was, like, 2004. Yeah, like, early 2000s Real World. When was like, it, like, Seattle? San, San Francisco, Francisco. San Francisco. It was San Francisco. San Francisco. Yep. Okay. So, yeah, she was, it was, like, part of her plot line, that, like, as it was, as the season progressed, like, oh, shit, like, Frankie has cystic fibrosis, and I remember that she had been followed, I don't know if it was by MTV or just by, like, the public at large, after her stint on Real World, and, like, I remember, like, in my brain, it's, like, stayed in my brain, like, footage of her, like, in the vest that, like, shakes the uh-huh. mucus, um... And she ended up passing, was she in her 20s? She was really young. Yeah. Like, it wasn't, um, like, that much longer after she was on the show. Yeah. So, yeah, she is also my face of cystic fibrosis when I think of the disease. And this was this was a really ignorant thought that I had, but it's my podcast, so I'm going to share it. <laughs> Um, I presume that no one would stand a chance between a car and a metal, like, iron fence. But I was curious if he was worse, worse off because his lungs were so damaged. Does that make sense? Oh, that's not ignorant at all. It's actually really, um, like, a good... using your thinking cap. <laughs> I mean, that's, okay. that's a possibility, you know. Yeah, so I... But what I learned that I mentioned or, earlier when the coroner said that he died in, like, a minute or less, I would be inclined to say it didn't matter and that this was just a very traumatic freak accident. Mm-hmm. But um, thank you. <laughs> it's a better thinking cap to you. Um, so in 2018, uh, two years after his passing, the Anton Yelchin Cystic Fibrosis Clinic was established at USC Medical Center with Zoe Saldana on the board. Mm. Dang, girl. Um, uh, The Anton Yelchin Foundation, uh, which his parents are a part of, donated $1 million to get the clinic off the ground. Um, So it's really kind of amazing that his family, um, friends and family, are keeping his legacy alive through the foundation and also doing good by way of starting this clinic uh, for patients with cystic fibrosis. All right, so just to, like, we talked about that he uh, was in Star Trek, but I was hoping, Lizzie, you could talk about your favorite Anton Yelchin movie, Green Room. Oh, my gosh. Meg, thank you so much for asking. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> I like horror movies a lot. Meg, are you a horror fan? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I have not seen Green Room, but it's on my to-watch list. Um, it's a super interesting premise. So, Anton is in a band with um, Maybe from Arrested Development, and then a couple other people, and they're in, like, a hardcore punk band, and they're, like, traveling around. They, like, go for an interview somewhere, and they're getting paid, like, $300. They're, like, obviously an indie band. They, like, drive around their car, and they get paid $300 to go to this show. They don't realize that it's at a skinhead club, and they're playing in the middle of the day, and there's a really cool scene with, like, slow motion, like, rocking out, and... The green room, for those of you who don't know, is, like, where people who wait to go on stage hang out, and it's called green because you might get sick if you're nervous. So they're, like, finish the show, they're going to pack up, and something messed up happens with the skinheads, and then everything kind of goes downhill from there. And it's, like, 
whoa, 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 whoa. It's, like, extremely gruesome and violent and, like, just a real, like, how things can take a left turn into shit show territory. Um, actually didn't get a chance to finish it, but I got into some of the pretty gruesome parts. Oh. <laughs> Listen, it's my ADHD. I got a lot to do. <laughs> um, I was doing something else, but it's pretty gruesome. So if you would like a film like that, give it a watch. If you are squeamish, I would skip it. But uh, it's very, like, good suspenseful anxiety-inducing down with skinheads, you know, kind of movie. This is why we're a good pairing, because now I will talk about my favorite Anton Yelchin movie, Depress Fest Like Crazy. (laughs) Have have you ever seen this movie? No. (laughs) Oh, you haven't? Okay, great. So it stars um, Anton Yelchin, and I was about to say Felicity Huffman, but it's definitely (laughs) Felicity Jones. Those are two very different women. Yes. Um, So... (laughs) Felicity Jones is plays an English student studying abroad in the U.S. where she meets Anton Yelchin at school and the two of them fall in love and they have like a really crazy romanticized um, like obsessive relationship and then her green card runs out and she does what any dumb ass person in love does <laughs> and outstays her welcome. Um, so then they enjoy a little bit more time together until she, like, gets, like, freaking deported. And, um, then it's, like, they are, uh, bicontinental. Is that the right? Sure. He's, he's in America and she's in Europe. And, uh, um, and it's, and then he starts dating Jennifer Lawrence for a little bit, but she is just no Felicity Jones. And, um... It's just sad. But it was good. If you like to cry. I do enjoy a good cry. Now, when you were saying she does what dumb people do, I thought you were going to say that they were going to get green card married. Oh. 90, 90 Day Fiance no. style. No, that would have been, that probably would have been good, though. That's the basis of so many movies. I mean, they made a whole show about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you watch 90 Day? No, but my mom does, so uh, I'm pretty caught up. <laughs> I don't watch it. I only know from, like, other podcasts that talk about it, but, like, I honestly, I can't even go there. I'm just like, y'all, like, <laughs> obviously nobody makes a reality show about healthy green card relationships, like, clearly. Well, that kind of sounds judgmental. Well, let me, <laughs> I seem to watch all of, like, the TLC trash when I'm with my parents, um, so, like, my husband was quarantining at home, um, during this wonderful, lovely quarantine time, and I was staying at my parents, um, and one night, I watched my 600-pound life with my mom for three hours, <laughs> and it was the same person, and she was still 600 pounds at the end. Wait. Um, three, three hours. Like, like three, three episodes? But it's, like, the same, per- it was, like, a two-hour episode about one woman and then they like it was not a new episode so then what they did is on the third hour they played like her where are they now oh wow and she was still 600 pounds and i'm like fuck three hours oh my gosh that's my hairdresser's like favorite guilty pleasure show i could have been watching green room the best part of that though (laughs) you know not to like talk too much about 
my 600 pound life but the bariatric surgeon that they all see oh my god what's his name mr I know. doctor forgive me forgive me i don't know his name but he is just like no nonsense <laughs> we're like he'll be like you need to lose 50 pounds by the next time i see you and then they come in and they lose like 15 pounds not 50 and he'll be like are you happy with that and they'll be like yeah i'm very happy and he's like no <laughs> it's amazing like just like seek that little bit out on youtube yes he is true don't need to spend three hours just seek that little bit out he's the definition of unfazed he's like seen it all he's like you need to lose 50 pounds now he's russian you need to lose 50 pounds (laughs) 40 is not enough you need to lose 50 (laughs) oh man so um anyway put some anton yelchin movies on your watch list everyone he's such a good actor yeah i mean he was like he just had like a really cute sweet face and uh, just seemed like a nice guy, but also like honestly a really diverse talent. Just think of so Star Trek. I would, would put into like the action fantasy category, Green Room, um, crazy gruesome horror, and then like crazy a sad crying drama. So uh, you know a diverse talent. So there's something Anton Yelchin out there for all of you listeners. <laughs> Time to shout out some sources who aided in the research of this episode. Honestly, there are a plethora, um, but the main ones, an article by Emily Lyman for Haunted Publications, Self.com, TMZ, Entertainment Weekly, Cultural Collectiva, Weird History, Rock NYC, IMDb, AllThingsInteresting.com, and Wikipedia. Want to let us know what you think about the 27 Club, this podcast, or just want to let us know what celebrity death you can't get over? Email your feedback to hollywoodpodcast at gmail.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at hollywoodpodcast to get clues about future episodes and photos that go along with the stories. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hollyweird. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And please join us next time when... Oh, you think we forgot, didn't you? Next episode, we go back to black. Yelchin it is. I know Russian. <laughs> I know Russian. I ain't no Russian. Okay. <laughs> All right. Oh my god, that's like one of my favorite outros. Yes. Okay, thanks, Liz. Bye.